Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Anyway, what we're going to study today is uh, chapter 2 of Daniel, the times of the Gentiles. What I'm going to have to do, though, is break this up probably in two and three different sermons because there's a lot of details here, a lot of things I have to unpack, and I don't want to just gloss over this because the details are important to understand the signs and times that we're living in. And so I'll make a lot of applications to current events and stuff that's going on in the world. But the issue that we're going to focus in on today is Nebuchadnezzar is going to have this dream of the metallic man. And he's going to put up a challenge to his magi to see if they they know what he dreamt and interpret what he dreamt. And what's going to happen is Daniel's going to be the one to be able to do this. But it's only because of his connection to God who gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. And the, the takeaway is this. What you're going to see in the passage is that Someone like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have obviously access to God because of them being a believer, but because they seek knowledge and they seek wisdom from God, they actually are given revealed secrets. They're given more revelation about what's going on in their current times. And this is how I want to relate it to you and I. What is currently happening in the world If you didn't know the Bible, if you didn't accept God's revelation from the Bible, especially prophecy, you will have no clue what's happening right now. You will not be able to connect dots. And like I know some of you have told me, you talk to your Christian friends and you try to connect these dots and they're totally clueless. And not only are they clueless, they don't want to know. They don't want to burst a little bubble about what's going on in their life and around them. And the whole world seems to be collapsing in on itself for a particular reason, and you know the reason why, because of prophecy and the revelation that God has given you. Now, here's the thing. So in order for us to navigate these crazy times that we're in, and and there's more stuff coming, guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. There's more crazy stuff coming our way. In order for us to navigate this, you're going to have to cling to God for wisdom and knowledge and a lot of it obviously will come from the scriptures but there's a lot of things you're going to have to decide that really uh, i can't point to a particular scripture you're going to have to rely on god giving you information and lead in what to do and that's going to be really key so the issue is you want to have the right attitude because a lot of christians don't have the right attitude they're not seeking knowledge they're not seeking uh you know to know what's going on in their, even in their personal lives. A lot of people just take what their life is given and they just make their own decisions and they go forward without even considering God. They don't bring them into the equation. They don't ask for wisdom. They don't pray, anything like that. And it, it causes messes in their life. And so what you're going to learn through this episode is how to function like Daniel and why other Christians and obviously unbelievers just simply don't get this. They don't understand what's happening. You do. I'm speaking to the choir. 
but I want to show you why. Because a lot of you are coming to me saying, Brandon, I shared this and that with my Christian friends, and they just, they just didn't even believe me. They would look at facts and evidence. Yeah, that's a Christian that's not seeking knowledge and wisdom. That's why. You cut yourself off from knowing what's going on if you do not pursue wisdom and knowledge from God. You just cut yourself off. You're clueless. So we wanna, we're going to study that today. So <clears throat> I've t- the, the, the title of the chapter is The Times of the Gentiles. This is what will be explained. And this is a big deal in a broad way to understand this will be given the chronological sequence of Gentile powers all the way through to the second coming. It'll also tell you what's going on with Israel during this period of time. So it has a twofold uh, application, one to the Gentile nations and one to the nation of Israel, leading to the, the second coming. So what you're going to see eventually in the text is our times will intersect in an aspect of what Daniel predicts and will explain to you what's really going on in this world. And so th- this is completely relevant. Yeah, yeah, they're prophecies of the past, but they're prophecies for right now where we're at. And, and so it's very, very important. And so we want that knowledge and insight. So Jesus talked about the times of the Gentiles. He knew Daniel's prophecy. He knew it very well. In fact, he said to them, Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Don't get this confused with the fullness of the Gentiles. That's, that's when the last Gentile of the church is, is, is gets saved and then is raptured. The fullness of the Gentiles refers to that. The times of the Gentiles is when the temple mount in Jerusalem is, will be under control of Gentile powers until the second coming. That's what Daniel will predict. And so right now, the temple mount is under control uh, of Islam, uh, even though Israel owns the land and it's their land, who's controlling the Temple Mount? It's Muslims. But this has happened since Nebuchadnezzar. It's been going on where Gentiles have controlled the Temple Mount all the way through. There are periods of time where Israel would get back the Temple, but then they would lose it. And, and in the future, they'll get back the Temple through the Antichrist, and then they'll lose it at the hands of the Antichrist. So the times of the Gentiles will continue all the way to the second coming. So with that being said, then let's look at this aspect of how Daniel gets the, the ability to get the revelation about what's going on in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So anyway, let's start here. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And it's plural means that he possibly had a series of dreams over days and weeks, or that night, he had a series of dreams revealing this to him. His spirit was so troubled that his, his sleep left him. And the idea is, it, it, it's in the Hebrew, it's the idea that it was like a hammer hitting an anvil that it, it affected him so much. It wasn't just a regular dream. Obviously, it was a dream from God. So let me talk a little bit about dreams before we move on. God does communicate in dreams and visions still to this day. Now, what you see a lot of this happening is on the mission fields. And, and you will see thousands upon thousands reporting that they have come to faith in the Messiah through dreams and visions, uh, especially in particular in Muslim countries. Um, this is like the third most way people are getting saved in Muslim countries because there's no Bible, there's no missionary, there's no Christian there. So if that person wants to know who the one God is, the one true God, 
God sends them dreams and visions. So it's occurring. I'll give you another example. Um, uh, there was a village of uh, indigenous people that lived on the Amazon. And uh, they um, had never seen a Westerner, never been outside the village next to the Amazon. I mean, you're, you're talking about you went back in time like 3,000 years when you went to this village. Anyway, um, there was a missionary team that went down there and um, just spreading the gospel to whoever they come into contact with. But um, when the missionaries got to this tribe, they had never seen a Westerner. And but they asked the Westerners, the missionaries, hey, um, all of us in this vi in this village have been having dreams and it's the same dream over and over again. And the dream is that we we go into the Amazon and then we we're drowning and this guy comes in the dream and pulls all of us out of the Amazon that are drowning. And in the dream, we were told by the man that you would eventually come to us and tell us who he is. So the missionary said, well, that's why we're here. And they were astounded that the whole village was having the same dream over and over again, recurring, recurring, like, like you see here, had dreams, had dreams. And so the missionaries proceeded to say, uh, well, it's Jesus. And they said, oh, that's his name. That's his name. Okay. And then they explained the gospel, and the whole village got saved. But this is what I'm saying is you can't eliminate dreams and visions because they still occur today. Now, obviously, there's people that take this beyond normal, and you get the hyper-charismatic, hyper-Pentecostal movements that go beyond. And so they can't discern whether it's a dream from God, a dream from Satan, fallen angels, demons, or from their pizza. They it becomes a problem. They can't discern the difference, Right. But you have to test things uh, in light of Scripture because um, it is a way that the demons communicate. It's a way of angels communicating or false angels. And then obviously God can do this as well. So just test everything in light of Scripture. Anyway, this is a dream that keeps reoccurring that's from God. And the sleep left him. He can't sleep anymore. Then the king gave a command to all the magicians. Now, let's uh, unpack all this. This is the religious... Uh, aspects of Babylon, the Babylonian religion, the whore of Babylon and what she's about. The magicians are the occult scholars, okay? It's it's just like li likening it to witches and Satanists of today, okay? The astrologers are the predictors of future by use of stars, astrology, and necromancers. So this is where horoscopes come from. The horoscopes actually come straight from Babylon. That's 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 where the zodiac was actually created in Babylon. And so they try to determine and predict the future by the stars. That's astrology. But the necromancers, what that means is that they are uh, like a modern-day psychic, uh, a medium which is in contact with uh, spirit creatures. And these spirit creatures tell them certain things, predict certain things, and that's the level of a psychic. Now, today's modern psychic, what they will do is tell you that they're channeling a loved one. And they'll tell you that, oh, you know, you... I'm glad you came here. Grandma wants to make contact with you, and she wants to talk to you, and she says that the pearls that she wanted to give you that you guys can't find, they're in the upper right-hand part of the closet underneath you know, several boxes, and they're there, and Grandma wants you to have those pearls. And then sometimes they'll smell Grandma. Sometimes they'll see Grandma. 
And sometimes they'll hear grandma. Same voice, same smell, same physical appearance. That is called a familiar spirit. Why are they called familiar spirits? Because they're familiar with grandma. They know everything about grandma. They watched her all her life. And so they impersonate her to you through a medium. It's really a demon or a fallen angel that's doing that. So these shows like, you know, John, Jonathan Edwards, and you had those shows by uh, Sylvia Brown, and, oh, you know, there's someone in here, and their grandpa wants to tell them that he loves them and everything's okay. Oh, that's me. That's me. No, that's a necromancer. Um, it, typically what happens in these, these necromancy situations is the demon or false angel will give a false version of who goes to heaven. Because grandma or grandpa might not have been a believer, but, you know, hey, he's coming from from beyond, and he's saying everything's great, and it's wonderful. Can't wait to see you guys again. But he's in hell, all right? And yet the necromancer is saying, no, he's in a good place. He's all right. Um, I remember one time hearing a story about a necromancer or a psychic um, channeling a demon who's pretending to be um, a grandma or somebody, some dead loved one or something like that. And so the person was asking questions to the channeler back and forth. And, uh, and the, the person asking questions asked the, the channeler, ask Grandma if, you know, what does Jesus look like? How is he? And, and, you know, what's it like to be in heaven? And the response back from Grandma is, oh, uh, we don't talk too much about him here. Did you catch it? You don't talk about him much here. <laughs> Where are you at? You know what I mean? It's, that's not grandma. Anyway, this is what's going on. Then he says the sorcerers, those who practice incantation. This would be equivalent to a modern-day witch that does incantations and sorcery to get the evil spirits to do what they want, to put curses on people. This is part of their religion. And then you had the Chaldeans, experts in magic lore and dreams. And the Chaldeans are interesting. They're, they're, they were known to be able to interpret dreams for people, okay? But there's going to be a twist on this. So what I'm trying to show you, what the Scripture is trying to show you is how evil this is. How evil this is, this corrupt religion of Babylon. Now, again, remember, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being trained in this school. And this is a providential thing because what's going to happen with Daniel through the series of events he will become the head of this school, and he will change this school to worship Yahweh. And by the way, his influence will then influence, 600 years later, a group of magi to come visit the Messiah born in Bethlehem. That's how key this is for, for Daniel to be in this group. It's providential that he's in this group. Anyway, so they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Okay. This would be typical Babylonian protocol with the religion. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Now, I underline in Aramaic because this is when the text switches. The text, the text switches from Hebrew to Aramaic, which is the language of Babylon. And why is it so? It's because when Daniel is speaking in Hebrew, he speaks to the Israelites. When he speaks in Aramaic, he's speaking to Gentiles. Now, why is that important? Because what he's about to show through prophecy is related to the Gentile empires. And 
it's a it's a message to them, but it's a message here and now. This portion of scripture is written specifically to the Gentile rulers of this world, including the Antichrist. It is putting them all on notice about what's happening. And, and so it speaks to today. It speaks to Vladimir Putin. It speaks, it speaks to Winnie the Pooh in China. It speaks to Rocket Man in, in North Korea. It speaks to Macron. It speaks to the, the Biden administration. It is speaking to those who are in rulership in the Gentile nations. So this message is for them. And God's going to warn them about something. Well, anyway, they say, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and, and we will give the interpretation. That's how they think it should go. You tell us, we'll give you the interpretation. And the problem is, they're charlatans. They can't really give an interpretation because they're just making stuff up. This is going to be brought out. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. Here's my decision. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you should be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap or a dunghill. Now here he changes the rules of the game. He changes the rules saying, no, no, no. We're not going to get away. You guys are not getting away with me just telling you the dream and then you interpret it on your own. Because I know you'll lie. And he says that later on. What I need from you guys is you tell me what I dreamt and then interpret that. Or I'll kill all of, every one of you. I'm gonna, and, and, and this is not this is not hyperbole. This is what ancient Middle Eastern kings did. They didn't like it; they just cut you to pieces. They would dismember you and send all of your parts to your, of your body to different parts of the kingdom to give a warning to everybody. You mess with me, I'll dismember you. And he says, I'll make your 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 houses a dunghill. He's saying, oh, by the way, when I'm done with you, I'm going to go to your family and where your houses are. I'm going to turn your house and your family into an outhouse. People will use your house for an outhouse in Babylon. I'm going to destroy you if you don't do this. And that's, it's, it, it, this is part of the ancient Middle East, how they dealt with people. Very, very brutal world to live in, you know. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Now, here's my question. Why would he put them up to this challenge? He knows they can't do this. He knows they can't. Never has there been somebody to say, this is the dream you had, and then I'll tell you the interpretation. It's always, I have a dream, here it is, and now you explain it to me. That's how the Babylonians function. There's something going on here. Now, there's theories here. There's a political theory and there's a religious theory, and I think I have to bring this to light. The political theory is this. This is a new king. He's been, in, he's been reigning for three years, but he's reigning with a group of magi that are, are not appointed by him, but maybe come from his father. Okay? Now, just like any administration in politics, you bring your own people with you to surround you. You don't come into uh, you know, a congressional office or a presidential office and say, yeah, I'll use that guy and that guy from the previous administration. No, no, you get your own guys. It's like a team, a new head coach of a team. He brings his own staff with him, right? You don't use the staff before. And so even in this situation, Nebuchadnezzar said, politically says, these guys are not for me. He will say later in the text that you'll, you guys lie to me. So he doesn't like them. They're typical politicians. He doesn't trust them. So there's that political aspect. But here's the religious aspect. And I think this is, this is where the weight of a lot of things are. 
Nebuchadnezzar will come to faith in Messiah or come to faith in Yahweh in Daniel chapter 4. This could be what's called pre-evangelism going on in, in Nebuchadnezzar's heart that Yahweh is using. Why? Because he is now seeing the futility of these people that he surrounds himself with, these religious people. They're nothing but charlatans. They're not in contact with the gods. They make stuff up. They lie to me, and they're trying to get away with this and try to appease me. They're only going to tell me something good when I know the dream means more than that. So on the religious aspect, we're starting to see Nebuchadnezzar inch over to Yahweh worship. He knows about Yahweh, by the way, because of Israel. He's aware of Yahweh. He is aware of the claims of Yahweh. The claims of Yahweh, he's the one true God above all the other gods. And so he's aware of it. So it could be that Nebuchadnezzar has had it with the Babylonian religion. Okay, let's just put that out there. Anyway, um, we go on. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream. Come on, they want the same routine. And we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time. Look, he knows the game they're playing. If I give you the, the dream, you're going to go take some time. You're going you're gonna to work on this, and everybody's going to get sent the memo of what this dream means, but you're going to lie to me because you see that my decision is firm. You're afraid. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. I'll kill you. There is, uh, for you have agreed to speak what? Lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. He says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to all agree together and, and to tell me something that's not true until a new king comes in. You're just going to tell me what I want. I don't trust you. Your guys are nothing but politicians. You have no resources in the spiritual realm. And that's what he's trying to say. He doesn't trust them. So you can see why he puts the edict out. I'm going to kill all of you. In fact, probably Nebuchadnezzar wants to kill all of them. And the reason in the Middle East and the Near East you would kill everybody is so that you wouldn't have traitors in your midst and stab you in the back in the middle of the night. You had to protect yourself. So what they did is they killed everybody from the previous administration, typically. That's what's really going on here. Okay, anyway. Um, therefore, tell me the dream, and, and I shall know that you give me its interpretation. Come on. I'm, here's the challenge. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Oh, thank you. Now the challenge has actually made them confess. You see what happened? God actually, through Nebuchadnezzar, got the, the Chaldeans to confess that they can't do this. Why? Because that's going to lend more credibility to Daniel, who can, because he's in touch with the God of the Bible. Ah, so he's, he's, God is what we call revealing something about the Chaldeans. That's the issue. He's revealing something by their confession. I want you to think for a moment in our world. Have you noticed that God is revealing our society? He's revealing the school systems. He's revealing the church. Why is he doing that? He's trying to point out who the fake are. In the church, he's pointing out the wheat and the tares. In our society, he's pointing out the devils who are doing this to us. He's showing you who is involved in this. And now we know the names, now we know the players, and he wants us to know that. Why? So we can act appropriately. So we can deal with the society that we're in and not freak out and go hide or be confused. 
He's letting us see it. This is the revealing. Now watch, he does one more thing. Therefore, no king nor lord nor ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. Probably not, but sometimes they use that as a tactic. Oh, no one's ever asked for this, man. Have you ever went to complain about something, and you go to a company, you go to a school, you go to a principal, and you go, whatever, you, you go to amusement park. Hey, this happened. I, this is crazy. You guys shouldn't be letting it happen. You know what? In 25 years, you're the first one to complain about this. Have you ever heard that? Uh, we've had no one ever complain. Sir, you're the only one complaining. Baloney, they're lying to you. You're, you're not the only one. That's a tactic to make you think you're crazy. It's called crazy making. Well, no one's really complaining about it. No, no, they've had tons of complaints, by the way. They're just telling you that. That's what the tactic they're using on him. Uh, no king's ever done this. Come on, come on. It is a difficult thing, at least they're admitting this, that the king requests. Let's put it this way. It's an impossible thing. And there is no other who can tell it to the king, notice the phrase, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Ah, okay. So now I need to interpret this from a Babylonian standpoint and then a Hebraic standpoint. From the Babylonians, because of their plethora of gods and their polytheism, they had different gods that were on earth, and they had gods in the heavens. The gods in the heavens were more important. And so you, behind their idols, they would have you know, the gods here on earth. But what he is saying, or they are saying, is that, look, the only ones who know what's going on are these gods that are in the heavenlies. They know and then can reveal that. But what they're admitting is we're not in touch with the gods of heaven. We don't have any correspondence with them, okay? Whose dwelling is not with flesh. They don't dwell on earth. They dwell in the heavenlies. Ah, this is important. Now, let's step over to the Hebrew understanding of what they're saying, interpret it from the biblical standpoint. What God has got them to confess is that there's, there, there, there are Elohim, so to speak, but fallen angels in the heavens. That's who the Babylonians are worshiping, okay? They're worshiping these false gods, which are nothing but fallen angels. That's different than demons. Demons are earthbound. Fallen angels are in the heavenlies, in what we call space. So there's even in the Babylonian system, they know the difference. Demons are nothing but spirits of fallen Nephilim, and they look to inhabit, they look to haunt, they look to possess, and they're usually the ones behind idolatry, Okay. Fallen angels are in the space area, the second abode. And so even we know from a biblical standpoint, the difference is there on earth versus heavens. And the Babylonian had the same concept. So you can see where the corruption is happening in the Babylonian religion. Thus, what the Bible says is that these other lower so-called gods are nothing but fallen angels. But there is one God in the heavens that's above them all. He is El Elyon, the high, the most high God. That's why God is given the term most high, because he's trying to communicate, I understand there's other spiritual creatures, but I'm the spirit being above all of them. I'm the one who created them. Okay. So what in effect is being said here by them in a confession is only the God of heaven, the singular God, can do this. It's an admission on their part. And they don't even know that they're making the admission. But who's listening to this? Nebuchadnezzar. This, again, is pre-evangelism to get Nebuchadnezzar eventually saved. 
Anywho, that's the understanding of that passage. So here's what happens. As I mentioned, God is revealing things, and he wants them to know. He's showing something that's going to happen. And the same is true right now. God is revealing things to us. Now, for instance, this is why when you go to your friends who are Christians and you tell them all this stuff, they think you're nuts. You know why? Because they don't have knowledge and they don't have revelation. I'm talking revelation from the Bible. If they don't know the Bible, they won't understand how to interpret this that's going on in the culture. So, for instance, Emmanuel Macron, he's the new EU president for about six months, and they're going to come out with an edict of a global digital tax. I wonder how they're going to get to a digital tax of 15% on corporations via the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. This is going to start in Europe, and eventually it's going to make its way around the world. Now, wait a second. What is this? Now, most people would interpret, well, I, I can't, it's just more taxation, it's more taxation, and, you know, people don't like it. Biblically, what's going on? This is what the world can't connect. Wait a second. A global digital tax emanating from the EU, which eventually is going to make its way to America and around the world, to where our corporations are paying a 15% tax to a foreign entity. And then eventually it's going to come to you and I. We're paying taxes on a carbon offset to the UN or whoever. But what is that? This is what was predicted by Daniel and, Re and the book of Revelation in the fact that one day Rome's imperialistic arm would arise again. Rome's still with us. You just haven't seen its imperial arm. The imperial arm of Rome creates taxation for other countries, and the other countries pay back it to Rome. This is what happened in Jesus' day, right? They're paying Roman taxes. Folks, this is the beginning of imperialism, which is predicted by Daniel, that Roman imperialism, that you and I were going to be taxed from a foreign entity of people you and I never voted for, who appointed themselves as the bureaucrats over the world, and you're going to pay taxes to them. This is, do you see now the difference? That you know that because you study prophecy. Other believers and other people in the world don't get that. They don't make the connection. But why? Because you seek wisdom and you understand it. How about this? Many Democrats want you to be punished. 60% of Democrat voters support government forcing you to be confined at your home. It's here in America, okay? Only 55% of Democrats think you should be fined. Also, I should say. 19% of Republicans and 25% of individuals unaffiliated with either party believe the same thing. Now, here's the thing. If you think it's on the level of Democrat and Republican, you're wrong. But that's how most people see it. Oh, it's just a, a Democratic thing. They're just leftists. Or, no, no, no. Let's take a step back, and what has God revealed? What God has revealed through, their, through the enemy's mouth is that they are doing this to Christians who are the majority of those who are unvaccinated. So the attack is not Republican-Democrat. The attack is ungodly versus the godly. That's who they're going after. Oh, okay, so that's what God reveals. How about this one? YouTube affirms new Canadian law. Uh, and again, I'm not a fan of John MacArthur's uh, five-point Calvinism, but I'm just showing you this as an example of what YouTube did. YouTube pulls the
the uh, sermon that he did uh, because he was basically going against the transgender movement, the LGBT movement, and all that. So YouTube now, it will pull you off for hate crimes if anything you say against transgenderism, uh, multiple genders, and LGBT. See where it's going? So what you could say is you could stop on the political level and say, ah, uh, that's just this is political maneuvering, and this is the left having its way politically by silencing and censoring people. Nope. Take a step back. What is the big issue? The big issue is not censoring per se. It's censoring a particular value system. It's censoring the Judeo-Christian value system, which is nothing more than an attack on the Bible. And because the communists know they got to get rid of Christianity and the Bible out of our society. So they're doing it with tactics like this. That's the bigger story. That's the revelation that God has revealed. Oh, okay. How about this one? Texas Department of Public Safety, TSA allowing arrest warrants as ID. Uh, excuse me? They don't need a California ID or a Texas ID, uh, you know, driver's license. No, no. If they have an arrest warrant, we'll take that too. What? Now, on a political level, you would say, well, you know, this is insane that we would do this politically. No, but take a spiritual step backwards. What has God revealed about this? What has he revealed about how we have treated immigration? He's revealing that they're destroying your country on purpose to create globalism. That's why they have unvetted people coming in here who have, who have arrest warrants, and we don't care. If they cared about health, they would check these people out, but they don't check them. And why? Because the globalists know they've got to bring down America. How do you bring down America? Divide them, uh, you know, create more votes for the other side, all that stuff, and have no borders so that we will be more apt to accept global governance. This is not simply about American national security. It's about global governance. How would you know that? Because you have revelation from God telling you it is. Daniel is 17 years old. Just like this little girl. He has, he has the, she has the wisdom of Daniel. She can connect dots. She sees what's going on. That's key for you and I in this world. If we go in this world blindly, you're going to make mistakes. We don't need that. We need to see what is God saying in the, re the revelation of what he's showing you. And then we make appropriate decisions and course of action based on that, not on what we want. How about this? So M&M's uh, is now going to push the LGBT agenda and transgender agenda. And so you've got lesbian M&M's and you've got uh, gay M&M's, and then you're going to have gender identity M&M's and trans M&M's, whatever it might be. I don't know. Let me ask you this. Using your biblical knowledge, using the revelation that God has given you, who are they attacking? Are they attacking a bunch of Hindus? Are they attacking uh, Buddhists? Are, what, what religion are they attacking? You got it. You know. So when these they're doing this stuff, the bigger spiritual picture is God is showing you they're attacking me, uh, uh, Jesus, God, the Bible, and then you who follow him. That's who this is meant for. It's not meant to Hindus. They're attacking us. Notice how they don't attack Muslims. Even though Muslims are against all this, 
because a kingdom is not divided. So a Muslim goes into uh, a synagogue last week, we talked about this, holds Jews hostages, is speaking about, you know, seeing his Muslim sister who was uh, guilty of trying to kill a U.S. serviceman or whatever. And yet, the paper, the papers were saying he's a British citizen, but would never name the religion. He was a fanatical nut job of a Muslim. That's what he is. And he ends up, now he's six feet under, like we talked about. But look at the propaganda. They're not going to attack Islam, even though Islam is against uh, homosexuality, because they're part of the same problem, uh, sorry, same team. Oh, so we are the ones. See the bigger spiritual picture? How about the Oregon School Starts Queer and Sexuality Alliance for a club for elementary kids? No parental consent. Well, we don't worry about that. Who are they attacking? They're attacking the bi- they're they're attacking Christians, but notice who no parental consent. That's attacking Genesis. How so? It's attacking the nuclear family in which the father has the spiritual authority and the parents have the authorities over the children. They're saying you don't need to parent, parental consent. That's an attack on Genesis two. You see how God revealed that? He shows you that. It's more than that. It's a spiritual thing. How about this? CDC Director Walensky says, CDC is changing from fully vaxxed to up-to-date. Oh, up-to-date, meaning you'll have to forever get boosted to remain fully vaxxed. They're not going to end, even though they're now saying the vaccines don't work, they're not protecting anybody, you can still get all kinds of virus, but they double down. Why? If you say, well, they're just a bunch of idiots. Uh, no, no, no. What we now know is this a, is, is a pandemic. We know that now. We know about Wuhan. We know about Fauci. We know about gain of function. We know what they're up to with Pfizer and Moderna. We have cut deals with them and they're making millions of dollars and they've made a cut with the American government. And that's why they're pushing Pfizer and Moderna. Wait a second. What's, what's God revealing? There's an agenda behind this that's political and spiritual. It's not for health. If anyone thinks at this point in time, this is all for health, they're not watching what God is revealing. He's telling everybody. Now, your Christian friends are going to come to you and say, right, you're just crazy. I don't believe the word you say. Uh, oh, you don't want to look at the facts? And that? Oh, no, it's just, I'd rather listen to Don Lemon on CNN. I'd rather listen to, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Oh, okay, that's the level you're at? Joy Behart and Whoopi Goldberg, that's who you're listening to? Most people are, by the way. Oprah. <laughs> Unbelievable, huh? Let's go back to the text. For this reason, the king was angry and very fierce and gave command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him, kill them. Remember what I said. I, I think I might have said it. Maybe I said it in the other service. Let me ask you this. Is Satan willing to destroy his follower, followers for the sake of destroying four servants of Yahweh? Oh, of course. 
Why Satan always destroys his own followers. That's why all of them end up committing suicide. That's all, why all of them end up getting mental illness that actually follow him in Satanism or witchcraft. Satan is he doesn't care about humans. If you follow, if you follow him, he'll just wipe you out if necessary to get to the four boys. Yes. So even in Nebuchadnezzar's decisions, Satan is actually working through the back door to kill Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So why is it important that they live? Because, like I said, Israel will model itself off what these four boys do, and these four boys will be appointed to the highest positions of Babylon in order to preserve Israel in Babylon from not being completely wiped out. That's how important the boys are. It's the key. So, of course, Satan's going to go after them to slaughter them. In order to slaughter them, it would cause Israel to go into a complete apostasy and maybe never, ever come back from Babylon. The stakes are high because Satan knows if he can destroy Israel and wipe them out, then there's no Messiah that's coming. That's how the game is played. Then the counsel and wisdom, with counsel and wisdom, notice that, that counsel and wisdom is always attached to Daniel. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't say, I'm moving. He doesn't say, I'm getting out of here. He doesn't have a, a, a hysteria. He doesn't have anxiety that he can't calm down. He doesn't go into a fetal position in the corner saying, what will I do? He's cool, calm, and collected. He has wisdom. Where did he get the wisdom from? You only get wisdom from God. So he answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? What's going on here? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. Okay. So guess what Daniel's thing he does? He's going to go to the king. Wow, pretty bold. But he does it because he knows he's got to save Israel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he would, might tell the king the interpretation. And the king knows Daniel. He knows he's ten times smarter than everybody. That's what it says in chapter 1. And so he defers to Daniel because Daniel's a very man, uh, the man of integrity. And he's not like the, the rest of the Babylonians. So he's different. Then Daniel went to his house. Notice what Daniel does. So he goes to his house made a decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions. So now he's going to start a group prayer going on here, that they might seek mercies or compassions from God, the God of heavens concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. At, their lives are at stake. And more importantly, Israel's life is at stake. But notice this. What is, what is the first thing he does? Guys, we got to get together. we got to start praying about it because I don't know the answer right now. Uh, so wisdom would dictate you go to the person who has the wisdom, God. That's the opposite of what I do. That's the complete opposite of what I do. I see a problem, and I try to figure it out myself. I start, oh, okay, i got to do this or that, that. No, no, no. What God's wanting us to do is go directly to him and say, God, I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. Quit trying to be like me and figure things out on your own. You'll end up in a mess like me. I always try to figure things out myself before I go to God. Guys, there's things coming our way I don't have an answer for anymore. I've, I, I, you know, people ask me all the time, what if they go to a digital currency? I don't know. I go, I'm not a financial advisor. But they ask me, what do I do with my finances? 
I don't know. My only thing is I got to go to God. And I got to ask him, Lord, what do I do if they go digital? What if, I, what if I'm at my job and they start forcing vaccinations or forcing vaccinations on the entire population like Austria is doing or Australia is doing? What am I going to do then? Well, I got to get wisdom. Hey, Brandon, should I retire with all this going on? I don't know. You better get wisdom. You better ask for knowledge from God. Uh, uh, you know, the, my, 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 my uh, loved one went into the hospital. Oh, you better ask for wisdom for that. You see what I'm saying? Is that the first thing we got to turn to is exactly what Daniel. I got to have wisdom. I got to. I got to get this information, and God can direct you that way. Now, here's the, the thing you have to understand. You're going to go before God, and you say, "God, give me wisdom." And you know what's going to happen? Silence, crickets. And you think, "Oh, God didn't hear me." No, no, He heard you. Because you know what the ga- how the game is played. God will answer that request for wisdom at the time that it is needed to make that decision. So he heard you, but you got to keep coming to him in faith and asking that request. And as you're waiting on him, as you're asking, then when the time comes and the decision needs to be made today, guess what will happen? Boom! An opportunity will pop up. A door will open, and it'll be there. But he's not going to give you that door before. He wants you to wait on him to open that door. Look, in all the situations... God would answer the request at the last second, at the appropriate time. So you're going to, I'm asking right now for wisdom. What, what happens if we go to digital currency? I'm asking for wisdom. Do I know yet? No, I don't know. But I'm going to wait on the answer. Should you leave California? I don't know. I don't know. You better pray to God. You better ask for wisdom. You better not make the decision based on your finances. What happens if California doubles the income tax? It's going to change our lives, big time. I don't know, Brandon. I, I, I can't afford it. Oh, well, here's the thing. Pray for wisdom, but you better trust in God's provision if he wants you to stay. Oh, you see how it works? That's what Daniel's doing. And notice he goes and he seeks the God of the heavens. Well, that's a term he introduces here. Now, the God of heavens refers to what Ezekiel said happened before the Babylonian exile. What happened is the Shekinah glory left the temple, went out the front uh, gate, or the eastern gate, and then went to the Mount of Olives and ascended from the Mount of Olives because Israel had corrupted their religion so much with idolatry, Yahweh's presence couldn't stay there. And so hence, what you'll see with Daniel, he'll call Yahweh the God of heaven, And you'll see this with Ezra and Nehemiah calling God the God of heaven. And then you'll see the term pop up in the book of Revelation. Now, why? This is important. Because the Shekinah glory has left the earth from the temple and went back into heaven, right? So when he was on earth, the Israelites would call him the God of earth or heaven and earth. But now he has left earth and went back into the heavens. So now he's called the God of heaven, which indicates Hebraically that the activities of God come from heaven to the earth. He's not on the earth, but it comes from the heaven to the earth. So like in the book of Revelation, the entire prophetic sequence of all seven years are judgments coming from where? 
the God of heaven, whose activities are coming from heaven to the earth. Now, with that being said, just a little, let me, let me make some connections here with your New Testament. The Shekinah came, but it was veiled in the person of Jesus Christ. The Shekinah was in him, right? Remember at the Mount of Transfiguration, the Shekinah shone, right? But it wasn't here permanently because when Jesus went back into heaven, that's the Shekinah that went with him inside concealed, right? So the Shekinah made its appearance then, but then went back from the Mount of Olives, interesting enough. And what, did the, what was told to the apostles about the Mount of Olives? He will come in like manner to this very same place. Okay, so what the prediction is about the Shekinah is, where is Jesus right now? In heaven. The second coming brings the Shekinah that's associated with Jesus to the earth. And he will rule from Jerusalem in the Shekinah glory that he has as the second person of the Trinity throughout the millennial kingdom in which God will be king of heaven and earth. What does the Lord's Prayer say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Ah, so we're praying for a day where the Shekinah comes back to earth and rules earth. Because right now the Shekinah is ruling heaven. Heaven obeys him, but the earth doesn't. You see, the, the prayer, even in the Lord's Supper, is indicating when the Shekinah comes back, he will rule heaven and earth. That's just something that you can understand in the Gospels of what's going on with the Shekinah. Anywho, why are they so calm and confident in, in the supreme test of life? Well, they trust in God's person, his presence, his provision, his promises, piloting. Uh, that's really leading. I try to get a P in there. Uh, to make it all sound good, providence, person, power, and protection. These are nine attributes of trusting God. Now, when people say, you know what, you just got to trust God, what do you mean by that? What particularly are you meaning? So you have to define it a little bit better to know what you need to trust God for. So if you're worried about your economics, like what if they go to a digital currency, then the area of trust needs to come in provision provision if you feel you're all out you're out alone and you're abandoned you got to trust god's presence i will never leave you or forsake you right if i'm worried about if i'm going to be protected in my life because they're going to force me to do a vaccine they're, they're they're coming down on me as a christian you need to trust god's protection you see how it works? It's not just a simple platitude. Well, trust God. Trust him for what? That's the key. Because if you have a default in there that you don't trust him in these particular areas, you won't trust him. Daniel take, trusts him for all areas. That's how he's operating. That's how he's cool, calm, and collective. He knows God's going to deliver. And then they've been, they've been prepared by the test. The test in Daniel chapter 1, like we talked about, they had been prepared. How so? They wouldn't compromise on the food. Remember that? The king's delicacies, which were non-kosher, they wouldn't eat on it. That prepared them for this test of life and death. One is a test of eating. The next one that's coming their way is life and death. I want you to think about this. There will be decisions of life and death if they're not already here now of life and death. 
The question then is, has God prepared you? Of course he has. But the devil doesn't want to see, want you to see how he prepared you. Well, what do you mean? You have went through hardships in your life. There's no doubt. You went through crazy stuff in your life. Things you wouldn't imagine you wouldn't put on anyone else. But you went through them. The devil wants to tell you, hey, just forget that. Put it out of your mind and don't, don't pay attention to that. No, no. Forgive and forget, as you'll hear the cliches from other Christians say. No. You are never told to forget. You are told to remember. Remember. The tragedies that happened in Israel, it was put into their feasts. Remember what Egypt did to you. Remember why. Why does God want you to remember all the tragedies and hardships that you went through? Because in those tragedies and hardships, he was preparing you for what's coming. So if you shut your mind off and don't realize how God helped you in preparing you in the earlier trials of your life, you are cut off from that knowledge. And you're going into a new situation blindly thinking that you're unprepared for this, that you don't know what to do. And God's saying, time out, look back. Look all through your life how I prepared you for such a time as this. If I can see it, I have confidence. I have confidence that the Lord's prepared me for this and that I can do this through the Lord's power. Bingo, that's Daniel. They passed tests, they went through trials. For goodness sake, Daniel was emasculated. He was castrated. That's a trial. That's torture. That's why he can stand in the face of life and death decisions and make the right decision. Don't believe the psychiatrist today. Well, we're just going to move on. Bury your past under the carpet. Let's not think about that again. There's actually psychiatrists that teach techniques how to forget. That's evil. That's satanic. You can't forget. Whatever you bury, bring it up, and you will see the hand of God in that. They sought God first instead of trying to figure out themselves. Okay? They did, they did what I, I don't do. Okay? So take the lessons from them. They're doing it the right way. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So God gave him this upon their request. Great. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, doesn't it? So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God, the person of God, forever and ever. And wisdom and might are his. Where does wisdom come from? Man? No, from God. Only God has wisdom and power that we seek. And he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Those, that phrase is put together. What does it mean? It means God is in control of who is ruling in history. He has control of the nations in that sense. Does he give freedom? Of course he does freedom. He, he, he incorporates freedom into his plans. Of course it is. So Daniel is saying Nebuchadnezzar's on the throne for a reason. God put him there for a reason. Oh, so let's bridge it to us. This is going to be a hard one. You ready for this? God allowed Joe Biden to sit on that presidential seat. Blasphemy, right? 
But it says it right there. But it doesn't tell you why. You take a guess. Why did God allow someone with the cognitive ability, the senility, to take the presidency, someone in the vice president that doesn't have any clue what they're doing, and then the other one who continues to get plastic surgery to where her eyes are like Michael Jackson's. Did you see the last picture? Did you see the last picture? They look like the Joker. Why did God allow that? If that says he raises kings, removes kings, raises them up, he's telling you something, he's revealing a secret, he's taking the covers off of America and said, here are your rulers now. What is that? I see it as a sign of judgment. Just like he told in Isaiah 5 to Israel, I will let children rule your country for what you have done. And we truly do have fools and children running our country that don't have a clue what's going on. You want to know why a child or a fool is running your company, running the school district, running your, 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 your principal in your school is nothing but a fool and a child? Because that's a sign of judgment. I'll give you what you want. Now, it's not you and I. We don't want this. But it seems to be that the majority of Americans actually do. Oh. I'll give them to you. And you will pay the penalty for what you want. I will raise up kings and I will destroy them. And I'm going to raise this one up as a judgment to you, America. Now, there's one more caveat to this. It's prophecy. Because you know prophecy, you know that America declines and is non-existent, per se, in the political scene because the global government takes control. So at some point in time, America has to go away. It doesn't mean America doesn't exist. It stops being a superpower. We, we get off the dollar and it goes to a global government. Perhaps that is what's happening now to our country. We are imploding from the inside by children and fools running our country and destroying everything we know. Remember, God's in control of this and he's allowing this. That is scary in that sense because it could mean judgments happening right now. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. What's the caveat? Can an unbeliever get wisdom and knowledge from God? No. Now, we go into the realm of a believer. Can all believers access this knowledge and, and, and understanding? Yes, but what's the caveat? Look at the caveat. He gives wisdom to fools. A fool would be those who reject the truth. He gives wisdom to those who are wise. What is a wise person? They're teachable. They want to know the truth. They're truth seekers. They want to know what's really going on. They're not putting their head in the sand. And knowledge to who? Who have understanding. The understanding is the basis of why they would get knowledge. They want understanding. You see the difference? This just explains why you go to other Christians, other churches, other pastors, and they're totally out to lunch. They put the sign on the door, gone fishing. They're not there because they're not seeking wisdom. They're not seeking understanding. They would rather stay in their protective bubble and pretend that everything's okay. That is a person has cut themselves off from God's wisdom and revelation. You try to tell them what's going on in the church? Oh, it's not. you're making this up, man. That's crazy talk. 
didn't believe you. Oh, thank you and praise you, O God of the fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we have asked for, for you made known to us the king's demand. Bingo. That's it. And at the end of the day, that's the lesson for us. You want to know how to navigate through this world? You've got to get wisdom and knowledge from him. No other source. Don't believe the media. Don't believe what, what, what the teacher says, the professor says, or any of these other people. Go directly to Jesus. Jesus, I need to know this. And he is more than happy to answer that prayer request. In fact, in James, he says, I want to give it to you liberally. But you've got to ask. You do not, you do not receive because you do not ask. You think you can figure things out, Brandon, but you're not asking. You're going to get yourself in trouble, Brandon. Gotcha. So, in order to navigate our times, we've got to be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They sought God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn through the lives of these young men. 17 years old blows us away, Father. And the fact that they were so mature, they were so wise at an early age. Help us to be like that. Help us in these dark times that we're in to seek you, to get the knowledge that we need, to understand your direction, your agenda, and what's really transpiring. And Father, we just we need it. We need you. So please help us, Father, in everything we, we're encountering. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll uh, send somebody up front to grab uh, the, the uh, juice and the bread, we'll, we'll participate in the Lord's Supper right now. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Sunday Sermons. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has recently started a second podcast called the Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Bible Study. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.